0: All right, Nigel McGregor, welcome to the show. Yeah, I am. Good so, morning, good morning, good morning. I'm so excited for you to hear. It is a good morning, <laughs> so we're doing this before Nigel goes to work. Uh, I can This is this is pure amateur running style right here. Like this, this is how this is how I'm we all try to do it yeah we're trying to fit it in make it work so we're going to do plenty of talk about running today but hey since you are being getting off to work in about 45 minutes what do you do for a job i mean i already know but tell the people
1: what you do all right so i am a highway engineer i work for the new york city department of transportation i work there i'll be working there my fifth year october and i had worked in the state of florida department of transportation for five years when i was living in florida and I earned my engineering degree while I was while I was when I was running, my first started running was two thousand one. And it actually facilitated my studies because I would study during the day and then I would work in the evening leading towards the night. And then after the night I was I would go out on the road and run by right, anywhere between like eight to ten miles. It was wasn't competitive back then, but it was just basically to keep my lungs clear because when I was working at UPS, it was the carbon from the trucks and from the boxes and moving packages around in the hub would actually take a a toll. So I would use running as a tool to keep my body clean and my my health clean. All right, I'm so glad you brought
0: that up. I'm so glad you brought that up because there's so many questions we can go off of this. So being a UPS driver, nothing wrong with that job? Right, it's something that people need, right? especially yeah. especially yeah. nowadays. It's like you know the the delivery drivers; they're kind they're everywhere, right? There's so many people doing yeah. their online shopping, and so like yeah. that's that's not a bad gig. I know people who who do that job for a living. With that said, you're doing that job and then also studying to be an engineer at the same time. So what about? becoming an engineer really sparked your interest in, and became something that you were willing to do while still holding down a full-time job and having a full-time job and studying at the same time, especially a demanding career uh, or demanding course of study, like being an engineer, is a big task. So what what was the the motivation to, to stick with it and to get that done?
1: Well, I wanted to be an engineer since I was six years old. And um, what really, really sparked my mind to do engineering is when I was a teenager and I had built an elevator in my closet. I built the elevator in my closet using a thread, a soda can and a shoebox. That's all I did. And um I looked at the elevator shaft when I was a when I was when I was a kid and how it was built by by cord. They had counterweight, so I used the soda can as counterweight and use the shoebox as an actual storage. So That's how how I felt it, that's how I was actually got more fascinated doing engineering.
0: So what transpired in your life where all of a sudden you have a full-time job, you're working that um, and you're studying on the side and as a, as a way of supplementing um, or not, no, as a way of complementing what you're doing during the day versus just being a full time student and just like knocking that out. Um, what about your life made doing both at the same time the, the best course of action or what you ended up doing?
1: Well, I had it basically. I had it basically. I had to have money in my pocket. That's why I had it. I had to work. <laughs> that was basically it. There you go. And yeah.
0: so so when you're going through your studies and you're and you're working full-time and then also studying to be an engineer were you one of the only people in your class who was who's going that route who' was, who's was doing the full-time job at the same time as this or was that just kind of commonplace within uh the school you were at
1: yeah i knew a couple of people who had full-time jobs or part-time jobs and did engineering studies as well so i know a couple of people that did that so i knew it was possible to do that but there was one time where i had to really like lock in. And be like I had to plan out, okay, this is the days we are gonna gonna work, and these are the day, these are the times they're gonna study, which they had five classes and back then when you took an engineering class, it's like that class is only offered of once once a year. So if you're screwing that class, you gotta wait a whole number of year to take the class. So I had to be like on edge. And mm-hmm. took, took that when I took get out of got a class and had to go to work, and then when I had to go home and go run. The run actually took that edge, that stretch off of me. So, I'll, so by the time I'd be running, it be like 12 30, 1 o'clock at night. Oh my God.
0: Oh my God. All right. And I'm coming <laughs> to this in these questions because my brother is an engineer. So he studied yeah. engineering and he got his master's in engineering. Um, so I look at this like, oh my God, like I know how hard he worked. I remember, I remember the name on his, the title of his thesis. I was like, I don't even know what this says. Never mind what's inside the thesis. I can't even read the title of your thesis like this is this is insane so i know how hard it is to get this to get to get this course of study done it's incredibly challenging in addition to just the coursework you got the labs it's just it's a huge deal so you have a full-time job on top of it not just any kind of full-time job and one that's a demanding full-time job just from a body perspective right you're in and out of the truck all the time you're driving all day so you have like a mentally demanding course of study you have a physically Demanding job, which I'm sure has the mental components as well, like, like any job does. And then on top of that, at night you're then running an hour and a half at late at night. So talk to so walk me through just from a scheduling and energy perspective, right, of making it work in terms of fitting all the pieces together in your life, and also making sure that you have enough energy to even do these runs or the next day to be able to go to work after running so late at night, because I'm still at a loss. I can't figure this out because I know for me personally, it just wouldn't happen. There's no way running would be a part of this situation.
1: Yeah. It was basically survival instincts. It was basically that. So um, after work, well, during during the day is like, you got to listen to your body when, when it's time, time to feed your body. So I would pack like snacks in the book bag or- I would eat two times before I even leave leave home to go to go to school. Or or I would eat in the middle. I would eat in the middle of like the day when there's no classes. So I would end end up eating like around four or five meals a day. So I was used to having that constant that constant nutrition in my body. I got I got like struck. I got like used to it as a second nature. Even even do that. So before it was like. How am I going to even have, have, have time to even eat here? What am I going to eat? How am I going we to prepare this meal? After a while, becomes like habit, and that's the same way you gotta approach like your marathon training. It's like the base build is, is not just the mile; it's more like the habit. So, whatever habit you have, whether you have you gotta you gotta take your kid to school during, during the day, or you gotta you gotta pick kids in the afternoon, or you got to go to work. So let that actually gradually become a habit and become your lifestyle working to your lifestyle. So now it's like embedded in who you are. So does it become like a chore to do, to do right because That's, that's, that's where the longevity comes when you do for a long time, it becomes like second nature.
0: Absolutely. All right. Now walk me through are right. you you come into the house from your classes? Right, or you're coming from the library after getting work done. You're doing your homework and all of that stuff. Walk me through how you come into your place, your house, your apartment, or whatever, and you make that decision of like, okay, now it's time to go run, versus like, okay, now it's time to get into bed because I'm pretty tired. This has been a pretty long day. So walk me through this. How you line it up, just from like a physical logistical perspective. And from a mental perspective, so that you're not falling into either the the procrastination trap or just the, hey man, I've worked really hard today. I just want to go to bed.
1: Actually, <clears throat> for me, Matt, I didn't go home until the whole, until the, when it's time to run. I didn't go home from class. I went straight from class to gym to work, or I would go from work straight to the gym, to from gym to class. I didn't really actually no, I knew, I knew for a fact if I was if I was gonna go home, I'm gonna go to sleep. <laughs> All right, I can
0: I can relate to that. That's the first thing that you've oh. said this whole time that I can relate to.
1: Yes, I I'm I'm with you on that. Like if like a moment like a moment in a house, and I see a TV and I see the bed. I'm gonna go to sleep in the bed. So you, so you had that's to pack
0: a, the, for the whole day. Like in the morning, you're like, yeah. I need to pack for the work. Yeah, I need to yeah, pack yeah. For exactly. school, and I need to pack for running because if I go home, this whole thing can get off the rails.
1: Yeah, exactly. And this is back in the collegiate collegiate phase. That's the, that's from the collegiate perspective. Yeah, when I had I had to go to the even get get the degree and everything. So, All right. that's is that's just my actual insight on how it what. So, were you running merely
0: because of the? like you mentioned before with you know with with driving the truck in terms of just like it wasn't great physically you had the exhaust and your your lungs felt bad like was it merely that i mean still 8 to 10 miles a day is a lot of miles right like you could you know i think you know someone could argue be like hey i'm going to run for 45 minutes just to kind of get some physical like you're running 8 to 10 miles a day is a serious investment even for really dedicated runners never mind someone who's kind of maybe at the closer to the beginning of their running journey so why why all the miles? Why not just like a few miles?
1: Well, it started with a few miles. Like when I first started, it started with like one mile. And then it built to like four miles and then five miles. It just happened to be like seven, eight miles. I didn't go out there and say, oh, I'm going to run eight miles today or 10 miles today. It just, it just built over the, the course of the time as in, as in me getting comfortable with running, running all the time. And, and keep in mind, I didn't have a watch, like a GPS watch. I just had a stopwatch. And, and you went the way I measured my. Routes is I just drove my car and put the trip meter in the car, and I knew okay, if I run this direction, it'd be eight miles. If I run that, if I run that, that way, it'd be 10 miles. That's, that's how that brings me back. I remember those days <laughs> very, very well. Um,
0: in fact, there, there are even some days today where I'm like, I, you know, I'm know i gonna drive this route because I'm not 100% sure Strava <laughs> got that right. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna drive this route right now. So, for just to place you from a time perspective, what years are we talking about in terms of like what, what
1: were the dates for this? Uh, let's see. I had went from community college in 2002 to I left community college in 2002, so I went to FAU Florida Atlantic University from 2002 to 2006. So that challenging time had it been from around 2004 to 2006, where I had to really like home in those years. Those no of in college you take those senior level classes and you take design classes you have to be really like really like locked locked in and focused so i wanted that actual whole full perspective and be locked in and also too i had found, i had found a time to actually go out and party <laughs> at the time wait when you're young you... what <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, do it. you sleep, Nigel? No, are are you, we are we are we skirting around the issue here? Do you actually sleep? Because it feels like this might this might be a bigger problem.
1: <laughs> see, see, the thing, Matt. Like the civil engineering program where I was in, their classes were from Monday through Thursday. How they actually arranged their program, oh. so it actually worked out for Friday. So Friday was actually that was actually a show day. I still studied, but it was a children. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like I had to be in class at this. It actually actually really worked out. Okay, but there was a time where I partied from Wednesday to Sunday while I was studying. Well, you know, it is your, it is your college ran. years.
0: You know what I mean. So it's not it's not like completely a, yeah, so. a completely ridiculous <laughs> notion for sure. Uh, you know, I would say that my college years were probably spent yeah. similarly uh, in that regard. Um, and going to FAU, I guess. Well, quick tangent. Everyone who listens to this show knows I can't help myself with basketball. I just can't. I played college basketball. I coached college basketball. FAU's in the Final Four. Just throw throw some school pride our way as an FAU grad. Go out, go out man. I'm surprised because when I went to FAU, did you go to FAU? No, no. I went to Vassar College, which is in Poughkeepsie, New York. Okay,
1: yeah. Like when I went to FAU, it was like they didn't even have a stadium, and most of the buildings there was like was even renovated yet. It was. The campus itself is built built in the '60s. It was like an like former Air Force base. That's how the campus got started up. I believe it was 1961. You can check that later on. I think about. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can check it, but now they got a full they got a full black stadium. They got they got new buildings all over over there. I went I went over there for Christmas just to do a temple run around the campus, and I was like, wow, I think it was built built pretty good. All right.
0: That's great. So they're in the final four. We'll see what happens. Um, UConn seems to be a strong favorite, but you know, all the favorites have already lost. So who's to say, maybe being the favorites, the the bad spot to be this year. (laughs) Um, So when did running or can you describe the transition that running (laughs) had for you? That was just, it went from, this is a way for me to stay active. I got to get off my feet and get get on my feet. I'm off my feet all day long. Or, you know, just, I just want to be an athlete when it transitioned from this athletic outlet to something that was okay. Now I have, I have goals as a runner. Like I am a runner. I have goals. I have dreams. Can you, can you walk me through that process and how that manifested itself? Perfect
1: question. Because when it happened, happened for me, Matt, I had to transform my body as far as like conditioning. And that happened to me back in late 2010, 2011. I had a friend of mine who trained MMA fighters down down in Fort Lauderdale. And we would go through rigorous drills. Like from core like high knee high knees across the gym, sprawls across the gym, I would be exhausted. I I thought I was in shape at the beginning, but when I did his when I did his drills, I was like, Well, I got work to do. And we would be, because it was, we went to 24 hour fitness, so it was open to 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So it would be nights, we we'll would be getting there at 8.30 and leaving at 2.30 in the morning. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. And it, and also, too, it wasn't like we were just there at the wee hours. It was still pretty packed. Really? So we had that atmosphere. Well, yeah, I mean, it thank God. Packed. I mean,
0: if you were the only ones there, it probably would have yeah. been harder to maintain that schedule. At least you'd look around and be like, all right, I'm not the only crazy person. Look at all these other people. They're yeah. doing it, too.
1: Not at all, man. Not at all, and then from all walks, this it's just amazing to see it at the time. And you know, on that and that western part of Broward County is pretty pretty quiet. But this for to have a a good amount of people inside the gym was actually actually encouraging to do so as well. So we went through that process, and for me running, I was like, listen, I got to get a couple miles in when I want to do this stuff. And before before I even had that tra- transition. I was about to hang up, the, hang up the shoes because I had I had ran my worst marathon. I had ran my worst marathon that earlier that year, the mighty marathon. I had I had ran a 520, and I was about to hang up the shoes. Like my feet was in pain, I couldn't I couldn't even walk. And typically, when you when I leave the marathon, I had to drive back home, back home for a lot of those about a 45 minute drive. I couldn't even make it home. Sometimes I end up having to pull over in the car and. Oh, were you were you cramping? Yeah, it was bad. Yeah, it was bad, man. So from 520 time to 256 now, that's a long way. Now. So going back to that's 2011. That's a de- decent improvement. To- yeah. Yeah, <laughs> man. 520
0: yeah, to man. 256. Oh my god. It's amazing that's the same race. That's that is astonishing.
1: Yeah, yeah, man. From 520 back then when I was 28 years old to now I'm age 41 running a 256 was a, a hell of a journey. So, and go back to 2011, 2012, those years when I was actually starting to get really good and get competitive when I started doing my long run. It was still hard as hell doing long runs in Fort Lauderdale where it's like humid. So I would struggle to do like 17 miles in Fort Lauderdale. This is give me an example of anybody's anybody's familiar with that area area of the state from Sunrise to sample road is like nine miles so going up to sample road is nine miles and coming back made it to about 17 and a half so i would do the 17 and a half long and and having to do drills after that so he would be waiting there. his name is robert, robert john shout out to him man. Because he actually put me on it put me on a level as far as explosive athlete and lifestyle and actually mentoring like after that going to the sauna going to the steam room and have and, and having a proper fundamentals, so have, fundamentals of how to treat your body. So we had to go through that fundamental thing. That's you having gut out, gut up my regimen and, and build it up again. So that's that's the segue of what we're gonna lead into as far as like gutting out your regimen, keeping up with your body and how it transitions as you get older and, and having to reinvent yourself. Along the way, that's what keeps the longevity going. See how see how this works. So, so the idea of being like running
0: isn't merely about the running. Exactly. Absolutely. That's great. So over time, what are some things that you've added to your your routine, either pre run, post run, you know, cross training, strength you know, what are some of that you've added to your routine and it gets conversely maybe some things that you've taken away that maybe like, maybe they didn't quite work as well or you just found different modalities that work better. Hey, everybody. Are you tired of the spike and crash and GI distress that comes with sugar-based sports nutrition? It's time to try UCAN. If you are, even if you aren't, (laughs) I'd be honest with you. I'm such a big UCAN fan because UCAN utilizes steady release carbs instead of sugar so you don't feel the highs and the lows in your energy I have noticed this really like, you know, for me, I love to use, take two scoops of you can before my long runs one scoop. If it's like a kind of a medium long run. Uh, also I love the edge energy gels as well for me. I just don't have to worry about nutrition on the run. And it's just, it's so nice to not have to worry about this sort of thing. You know, it's like some crazy, you know, especially if you're going through some some crazy stressful times, just knock one thing off the list, but things you don't have to worry about certainly is helpful. And it's not just amateurs like me. Top marathon runners in the U.S. like Emily Sisson, Sarah Hall, Emma Bates, Meb Kofleski, and now Kira D'Amato all rely on UCAN to fuel their training and their recovery. You can't award-winning edge energy gels last longer than other gels and it provides a more consistent feeling of energy. They aren't too thick or sweet and don't have to chase them down with water. Uh, for me, I love them cuz they're more like they're more liquidy than other gels. You just don't have that aftertaste as well, which is really really nice. And finally, you got to try the bars. The bars are unbelievable. They're like chocolate, you get the chocolate peanut butter frankly they just taste like candy bars they're fantastic especially if you're going like on an early morning run like you wake up you want to have something and you want to hit the hit the road i that's the spot for me with those things and um you know unless i want to just use them for snacks because they're just so darn tasty I mean, really they just taste like candy bars and they're absolutely fantastic you can try the full variety of ucan products at ucan.co that's u c a n ucan UCAN.co. CO, and you can save 20% on your entire order by using code rambling. Not only do you save 20%, but it also helps out the podcast. So go to you today and use code rambling to save 20% on your offer.
1: Great stuff, man. Oh yeah. What I added, what I added to my routine is like constant, constant calisthenics and strength and conditioning in my legs and my core. Like, like I can look back in the year, back, back, about years ago when my leg was not really like fully developed now they look really explosive. And I weigh the same. That's the thing. I weigh the same. It ain't like a lost weight. But typically when you know, when typically the whole like the the um the perception is that when you run longer, you lose weight. You tend to like lose mass. But the thing is is that for me I pretty much weighed the
0: same. Did the did the shape of your body change? Right, so like sometimes you like so that's the thing. It's like two people can weigh the same, even the same person can weigh the same over time, but just the <laughs> like the, where the weight is distributed can be different. And obviously, mm-hmm. like muscle and fat weigh differently. But I mean, you're you're an extremely fit individual, um, so I don't think that the body fat percentage is a big deal <laughs> um, when it comes to when it comes mm-hmm. to your side of things. But at the same time, like did did your body change, or just where the weight was distributed? I
1: think so. I think it was a gradual change. I went. I went. I would be remiss to say it, it, it didn't change. It, it changed it a little bit as far as my leg, My legs got more developed, developed more. I think as far as my tone is definition, it got more. It got more ripped. But for the most part, I see the range of like one eighty four to one eighty nine. That's the fluctuating weight. Given it, give it, take a given ticket days, You when you drink a lot of water, then you weigh like one eighty nine, one ninety. It's like you gotta get yourself like a fifteen pound window It'll fluctuate. So. Yeah, going back to going back to the years 2011 and 2012, when I was going through that transition, and then when I had left, the the main thing where I had to start from scratch is my life when I had to, when I relocated from Fort Lauderdale to New York City. So I relocated from New York City late 2012, just to run a New York City marathon. Really? Yeah. I was, yeah, I came to run the New York City Marathon and that's that year when Hurricane Sandy hit. It got canceled. I never left. Had to start from scratch. Wow. To, to, to walk me through this. Like, what what,
0: what were some of the... Like, that's, that's an incredible thing to say, so I'm kind of stumbling over my words right now. What about the New York City Marathon and New York was such an immediate draw
1: for you? It was, like mentally phys- mentally physically i felt like i had hit, hit the ceiling when i was in florida because it could be a, it could be how it's set up it could be the right stuff everybody has a different mind structure, but for me i can actually think that i hit the i hit the pinnacle hit the ceiling it was time for, to time for me to go so i just packed my bags all i had was my suitcase and shoes and i moved to brooklyn to Brooklyn I had family in Brooklyn I stayed with for, for a year and a half until I got my own place in 2014 and went from there but I just basically can't the mission the mission remained the same the mission remained the same is to get the career and while well, I'm getting the career get the career and stay stay sharp and running so I would still get up in the morning and go for a run while while looking for a job and, and fortunately I landed a job in a manufacturer in two, 2013 and I would still run run through there so actually Running has been there. It's been my, it's been my outlet out to transition in my life.
0: Now, how has running changed for you in terms of it being initially a, at least it seemed to be like a solo endeavor where, especially now, you're so ingrained with the Central Park Track Club um, and you know, you're, you always, you don their uniforms and you, it seems like you're really a big part of that scene. Uh, at least that's how it appears on on social media. So talk to me about your journey as, from a running perspective, from solo to someone who's a part of a a community and what that's done for you as a person and as an athlete?
1: I think for me, it was basically just putting on the shoes and going out and networking as you go along. You know, it's not. It's kind of like it'd be overwhelming to say, oh, I want to meet this person here. I want to meet somebody here. I hope, hope I can meet somebody there. And then you get overwhelmed and it makes you anxious. You got to like embrace the journey as the steps you take. In who you meet so i'm very grateful that i had met a, met a mass amount of people met amount of people there worldwide and i had met a lot of people people do running and took me to 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 a whole nother level and actually actually helped facilitate me change changing the routine during the runs like now the routines i would do track work i hated track work i didn't want to do track work just to go around round the track all all the time like a hamster i hate i hated that as I'm always, that type of person that had to actually see new, actually had to see new scenery to keep me keep me engaged. But I had a I had a group of friends and a crew and a, and a team that actually encouraged me to do so. And that as well, that as well, and including going on trail runs like once or twice a month, going up to uh, Rockefeller Park, or going in Bridle Path, or going in um, going in the middle of Prospect Park. So, or even going into the Pal- Palisades, which is across across the river on George Washington Bridge. So all those things yeah, that can be, those, those are some hilly runs over there
0: in the Palisades.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Where I live, I can't dodge hills. Everywhere I go, I'm an inward. So everywhere I go, even if I have to go south I have to hit it. If I have to go north I have to Everywhere everywhere I go, even if I go to Bronx is hill. So I have no choice. Now
0: as you continue to progress, you're in New York, you're running all the time. You're you, This thing, your, your mileage has been incredible. And, and please correct me if I'm wrong. I don't have, like, your entire life story. But you obviously put in a lot of miles. You've run a ton of marathons. You run a lot of marathons every year, it seems like. I think you were in, like, five last year. Like yeah. You you definitely have put in work. And you've been doing it for a very long time can you talk to me just about like goals that you've set for yourself and maybe people that you've tried to either emulate or you looked on as like, all right, I want to try to like, look what they can do. Maybe I can do that there. How of external factors, I guess is a better way of saying it. External factors and goals played a part in your progression as a runner.
1: Constantly. It's constantly. I have a constant vast amount of people I emulate in, even from like a mindset either from like a lifestyle standpoint from all all levels all levels from elite to regular 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 minded people who, who actually honest the citizens that I, I, I emulate all the time i get I get that constantly and i have friends who who would just come to the gym there's one guy who comes to the gym he got he got gray hair or he he he, he takes about a stack of, stack of 45 pound weights 12, pound, 12 45 pound weights, and just pulls it and I shake his hand. We just talk about life, and that's all. That's all motivation I need. The guy, the guy's incredible. He just pulls it, pulls it along very humbly, talk about life. And there's other guys who's who's elite. I got a friend. I got a friend who's uh, who's a qualifier in the marathon. Oh, who's that? I, I, I watch. I Oh, his name's name's Bren, name Brendan Martin. Gotcha. His name's Brendan Martin. He's, yeah, he's like he's an qualifier. I, I emulate mean, I mean, him as far as how he approaches things things in the marathon from there, so it's different levels. Even no, notable marathoners who actually made it, like Metcalfsky, who went through won Boston in twenty fourteen, New York in two thousand and nine. I think it was two thousand nine. Yeah, I don't. I'm not great with the, the dates
0: ones. on the on the on the marathon wins.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but um, like guys like that, like like Wilson Kipsang, who came in for a cute, a couple of years and a couple of years and made noise and laugh like Josh Muta who won um twenty twenty eleven New York City. I think he ran it in 205. and he won Boston in four? Two oh three. Yeah. I think he was it two oh four it was it was yeah it was one it was one of Guys those like, two yeah because I remember
0: he did it and then he got left off yeah. his country's like Olympic team. It was like what does this guy have to do?
1: <laughs> I I know man. I know I know.
0: So all right so you run a ton of marathons now you have now yeah. you're working with Central Park Track Club, which again just by their name I've, they, you can tell like, they they don't merely work and it's not just a collection of marathoners right. There's people who run all distances. The Armory's not far away. Yeah. They, they they have a huge presence there. What about <laughs> endurance running and the marathon specifically? has just been this consistent draw for you where it's been really the hallmark of your your training and racing and why not maybe do other distances and, and focus for a time on those
1: i mean the marathon for for me is like a is like a strength and like a like a sustainability battle that you have amongst yourself that distance and, and the speed and the emotion you're going to go through Throughout the whole stage, at every race. each race is different. Like cer- certain races where you can just enjoy. Like you, I go to Miami. Mar- when I do the Miami Marathon, I don't have no time expectations for that. If it, if a it three twelve comes, if a sub three comes, that's that's okay. I could just go to the beach and go lay on the beach and chill out and have have, have some sun and be down with my mom, with my family and everybody. So, so different marathons have different stories. It's like you got to chronicle a story with the marathon, with it. So. For me, the marathon is like more like the lifestyle. It's more like a test, a test to kill out who you are, and you got to pull pull through it. So that's why I always been joined been joined to the marathon. Other distance, yeah, yeah. Gradually, I would I would go to other distance, like short. I see what I have in speed. That's the plan for this year. Do a couple more five k's during during the summer. See so what I have in regards to speed and do 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 10K. ten k. 10 k is my least favorite distance because. Because ten K, let me tell you something about ten K. It's like it's too long to like actually lay all on the line like a five K and it's too short to like, all right, I can plant what happens. I
0: hate that right. the, oh. the, the 10k is to distance running, what like the 400 meters is to sprinting. It's like you just can't you can't just go. You have to like really really dial in the pacing. Um, it's true. I mean, people yeah. don't like the 10k for the same reason they don't like doing like tempo runs, right? I mean, it just really is like the, you're talking about the same thing. Um, so it's it, I, I hear you. I, I'm, I'm right with you on that. I've I've done. I swear to God, I've done so few 10ks. It's like remarkable over the course of like 20 years.
1: And and Matt, listen. Here's the thing. I love tempo runs. What are we talking about? then? I love tempo runs. <laughs> like, runs. I love tempo runs. I love half marathons. But to take it, I cannot. I'm trying. To, I'm trying to figure out with with how, how you. Oh my god. The, like, that's funny. Well, I like
0: how you talked about like being a marathoner is a lifestyle, and I think that's true because we talk all the time about the key to these, the key to this race, um, for so many people, is the longevity piece, right? It's not like hey. I'm going to do a four-month build to into the marathon and see what I got. It's like even if like you – and I've, I've, I've lived this life. I've coached people and I've seen it from afar even more times than that. Even if someone who's a fairly experienced runner does a great job in their four-month build, like they're, they're dedicated, they're, they're right. really hitting all the steps, literally and metaphorically. Right. It's still like mm-hmm. – it's still really hard to get it dialed in. It mm-hmm. does take that lifetime of – not lifetime of, but like the consistent year-after-year building set yourself up for this sort of thing so let's talk about that marathon lifestyle because here you are you're wearing the boston marathon jacket we're a few weeks away from the boston marathon you you have made no bones about the fact that you love this race you're about to run it for the fourth time what about boston is such a draw
1: oh man boston boston marathon it was like first of all is the history like being galvanized by the history of the Boston Marathon, go back 127 years, and to be part of that is so, it's so cool. And the atmosphere, and the atmosphere about it, the prestige about it, like the, like the, the com, like the Commonwealth of Massachusetts and how they actually embrace Patriots Day, and being part of that tradition is like an American tradition. And to even, it's like, it's like, hmm. It's like, like a it's like a one-time his, historical thing that uh, comes. It's kind of like how the Declaration of Independence was signed. You and you were there. You can say you were there. And it'll never come again. It's that like one time and it'll, and, it'll go, and it'll go away. So, it could be 100. It could be at the 127 Boston, and people could look at it. a Couple of centuries from now, it'll be the three the 250th Boston Marathon, and they can see pictures from back then. They can see your picture being in that it's monumental so so
0: when you're I'm running trying. it you you feel like you feel the history of the event when you're when you're participating
1: absolutely <clears throat> absolutely and absolutely and then the, the best part about it is when you go past when you go past newton you go past town you, you're in brookline and you go you go those last five miles going all the way to boston, boston street it will make you cry that finish line the way it set up, set up going down that last stretch in boston street it will make you cry it was it's something about it because you know what it is Matt it's it's not just being there it's the the child of triplets you had to go through your, through your life to get there like the last 15 20 years wherever the case may be everybody has a different everybody has a different story when they cross that family so when you so going down that right way those emotions will hit you you don't know when it's going to hit you but you know you know it will it will hit you and at that moment, it was just over the last 21 years of me running, from back when I was in college and having to go through transition in my life and the career and, and the loved ones I have lost. My stepdad used to, my stepdad used to pick me up in the middle of the run. Like some nights I would some, some I wasn't really feeling like running in Fort Lauderdale, he would pick me up in the in the middle of the in the middle of the course. Well, in the route that I'm running either him or my mom, either, either if I'm feeling like an ache or if I get caught in the rain, if I get caught in the storm. So they would pick me up. So I'm very grateful to have that in my life too. So it's basically that, your family who supports you along the way, your, what, the people that you meet supports you along the way. That's what you're all thinking about. It all, it all goes through you in one falsehood. It's kind of like, it's kind of like when you're ready to transition over to the other side, your life flashes before your eyes. It's like when you, pass, when you go through that finish line, it's like all the, all the moments that lead up to that flashes before your eyes.
0: Wow. That was incredibly well said. Kudos to you, Nigel, for expressing something like that. That yeah. was uh, really well said, uh, and I can't wait to share that because that, was, that really was remarkable, and it's easy to see why it has made such a, uh, an impression on you, considering that that's how you feel about yeah. it. Um, for people who are new to the race, even if they're not new, they're just trying to make sure that they have the best Boston possible. How do you approach the course from a strategy <laughs> course management perspective so that you can have the best race possible? If you're, if, you're, if you're treating the race like an A race, like, okay, I want to get the best time I can on this course or I want to have the best possible performance. How do you approach
1: the race strategically? Seriously, how to approach that race strategically is this. You gotta have you gotta run based on feel the first 16 miles. So, if your gut instinct you have to know yourself. If your gut instinct is to actually be on an assertive level and how to approach it. And another thing is too is that although they say is a net downhill course, the course itself is not not downhill. You're gonna encounter hills in that course. There's a hill at five at the 5K mark. And There's a slight incline at the eight-mile mark that's gonna is gonna go up, it's gonna drop off and go down at mile 10. And there's gonna be another incline going up to mile 12 before you hit Wesley Collins, the halfway point, and there's a steep drop between 15 and 16. And there's a climb to, there's a climb going up that first from 16. That first hill you hit Newton, that's the one you really got to experience that first hill. So you gotta really run that course very economical, not not. Not not passive, but you want to run it where you gotta let gravity take its course. It's like you gotta have the drills and having your body set up to run to run that. And um, <clears throat> if you run too slow, if you try to ride yourself and try to slow yourself down, your quads are gonna burn out. It's kind of like going down the hill and riding your brakes in the car riding your brakes in your bike, and your brakes are gonna burn out. If you go too fast. You're gonna burn yourself out going up, going to 21. So it's like you gotta have an equilibrium. See how it works. Going into seven, going into 17 and then 21, and then you work from work the work the hills in 17 and 21. It's like you gotta like have a strategy how to lean into the hills. Use your cadence going up the hills. Don't worry about the pace going up the hills. Just enjoy, it it's embracing and it, knowing that you got, you got me there. But first time runners, just embrace the fact that you got. Me and enjoy the experience of what it is because if you actually over, over, over half expect, expect what you're going to have, you're going to such a simple disappointment. So you want to have that bar at a, at a realistic location, but you want to have it really low in case it doesn't all pan out. You don't want no, DNF. you don't want to, you don't want no DNF. When, when you didn't get to the Boston Marathon, the DNF, you want to finish it. You want to finish the story, You want to finish it with a smile.
0: So, you're an engineer. You are well versed in numbers. You've been dealing with numbers for a very long time. It's the hallmark of your of your profession and your studies. How do you approach metrics and data uh, on race day? Uh
1: like I would look at each course and look at each circumstance, like, okay, like if I run a course like Chicago, Chicago marathon, I already know it's gonna be about 27, 27. 27.7 or 27.8 miles on the watch. Don't worry about that because the GPS is going to be a little thrown off going through the high-rise buildings at, high-rise buildings in downtown. So it's really going to throw off the GPS and also, too, the tangents. It's going to be really hard to hit the tangents like really close to the right or to the left. So basically, you know you're going to end up running. It's going to add up at the end. You're going to end up running about two-tenths more more, more than, than the, the actual course itself, because they measure it on a tangent. But I don't know about the New York State Marathon because they have the blue line on New York State Marathon. You just have to stick, stay, stay, stay on the blue line. Right. Long, I mean, at, right. but on only if like of... you're by yourself, right? You can't be like fighting people to get on the blue line. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it's like just know that you just know that you're going to prepare yourself to run twenty six point five miles. That's the that's the way it's going. Team Town, I've been in running 26.7, 26.8. That's fine. Still,
0: still, still came below three hours. And I'm how, how about from a pacing oh, yeah. perspective? Like, do you, <laughs> are you aware at all times what you're doing from a pacing perspective? Are you always looking down? Are you looking down at the mile markers? Like, how do you approach being aware of and altering your, your race day movements based on what your watch is saying? Or are you just trying to ignore it?
1: I try to ignore it. I'll, I'll go based on how I feel the first 14, 15 miles. After the 15 mile mark, if I feel good, I'm gonna go for it. Game on! Like, and also too, you gotta look at the elements of what the weather's giving you as well. Like, if you know you're gonna get humid weather, you're gonna get humidity throughout the whole way, then you gotta just embrace it. If you know you're gonna be fighting like the tailwind, well, if you got a tailwind, that's great. But if you have a, you got the headwind, then you you gotta just Take it for what it is the only race that really got me was chicago marathon because i thought when i was going north to north chicago that i was like, all right, i got a headwind i'm gonna come back and have a tailwind i can actually make up the time nope nah not at all It was coming from all directions that, that really that really kind of got me but other than that what's given is pretty 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 constant
0: I love that. All right, Nigel. Hey, good luck to you in Boston. I hope everything goes well. I guess last thing is like I know you know looking at at uh, you know your ages of graduation and knowing when I graduate college, you're not far from being a masters runner uh, coming up soon. Do you have any 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 goals around like you know maybe being a pre masters runner? Do you want to get done before you hit that or when you become a masters runner? Any other goals attached to that?
1: Hey, Amen. I am a Masters runner, man. I've been a Masters Oh, my God.
0: See, I, now, I apologize. <laughs> I'm going to keep this in. I'm going to keep this mistake in. I was thinking, like, all right, he graduated in 2006. No, I, I graduated in no, no, 2003. No, no. So maybe I'm a couple of years older. We're the same age. Okay.
1: Yeah, man. Hey, hey listen. Hey, listen. I, I, I tried to think of being a Masters runner. and made me feel old. I'm like, come on. Man. But the thing is, it's like the Masters, the master's division is so it's it so broad. You gotta break it down. I mean, you gotta have like the masses, like 40, fifty, the and the masses fifty plus. 60. I mean, they got. But it, but the thing is, look, if you look at the Boston Marathon record book, and you look at guys like eight sixty, each each year they run in two forty five. That's inspiring. If you look at that book, you see you guys do, you see you guys doing that, and that's very inspiring as well. So it is. Well, I'll tell you this
0: too, Nigel. The thing that I've been hot on and people who listen to this show already know this i've talked about it on occasion and i always like feed this information to my my buddy peter bromka who's also a master's marathoner is the uh, the world master's rankings in the marathon right like if you're mm-hmm. sub three hours like there's a good chance that you could be you know, ranked pretty highly in the United States as a master's marathoner. Like, I love these rankings. Like, again, you know, they're completely arbitrary. And for some people, they're kind of like, hey, who cares? That's not, that doesn't interest me. But as like, I'm an I'm an inherently competitive person. Again, I'm nowhere near this level of athlete, not even close. But I, I like this checking it out for like on yeah. other people's behalf. Like, I, I love these rankings. Yeah. And for me, it's like, hey, it's, it's a kind of a cool thing. And to maybe even potentially, you know, get like, masters runners that I coach into like the masters running world championships is uh is kind of a fun thing. So I don't know if that's popped on your radar at all, but I guess someone who's a sub three hour marathoner, like you're not that far off from some of this hey, stuff.
1: I got it to it. I got to surprise some Abbott world marathon majors. I'm in the Masters world. There you go. All now, right. That's like, I'm, like <laughs> I'm just embracing it as it comes. Just embracing it as it comes. And also too, I'm going to look and see where it is in regards to like masters level. Runners' competitiveness and where they are. I just know for a fact, as far as age group, if I run better than seventy percent, I'm doing well. I look at the percentage. So, I'm looking to actually educate myself and be and educate myself in how it is in regards to how where, where they rank mass and, and masters running. So, it's gonna be fun. Well,
0: you're doing great. I can't wait to follow along from afar to your Boston experience and beyond that for sure. Nigel, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Hey man, we're gonna talk we're gonna talk more, more from there, man. Nice meeting you, Matt. And if you if you're in Boston, just hey, just come come to Kope's Square. We're gonna be in Boston, we're to be out there Kopey Square sitting there talking and chatting. And the good thing about going to Boston is that it's not like it's a intimidating feeling. It's more like people actually everyday living. It's everyday living people who actually wanna be the best version of themselves. And they, and they get to there by by doing it responsibly. Going through the motions and going through the training and going through the preparations and family and family and careers It just—it's a—it's a very fun fun experience being there. You got to see—you see, got to see see for ourselves. Got to get there, BQ, see for yourself. You got to qualify, and see see for yourself. It's possible. And we, we—we all got to
0: get there, get there and qualified. It's, it's all possible. That. What a great way to end it. Thank you so much, Nigel. No problem, man.